And uh, I want to just talk through some of the Bible school stories that maybe you learned or studied or you remember from years gone by. If you were like me and they had the little felt characters that they would put up on the little board and, and they would tell the story. And so I want to talk about some of these, but I want to take a look at them and, and ask some questions about the nature of God, what he wants to do in our lives and how these stories apply to us today. This morning, we're going to begin with the story of Moses and crossing the Red Sea. In the first service, I read the entire 31 verses. It was way too long. I was bored myself about halfway through, and so I decided that I'll read a few verses and I'll tell you the story. Is that okay? <laughs> Some of you that were in the first service, you're like, thank you, Pastor. And we love you and everything, but good Lord. Grab your Bibles, open them to Exodus, the 14th chapter. We're going to begin in the fifth verse. We'll read just a few verses and then I'll back up and tell you the story. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. If you're watching us online right now, thank you for joining us today. I hope that you're having a wonderful time in the presence of God as we are here. Pray that God would bless you. He would speak to you today, that he would touch your heart and your life. Open your Bibles, get ready to receive from what he, for what he wants to do to you to, for you today in, in your life. If you're in Exodus, the 14th chapter, would you say amen? amen? Verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Everybody say boldness. boldness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today, for the opportunity that we have to worship you to glorify you, to lift up our hands, and, and to just celebrate your presence in our lives. Lord, I, open, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Do something great in our midst today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Story of Moses and the crossing of the Red Sea and the Israelites is one of my favorites in the Bible. I, I find it fascinating trying to figure out how it was that a sea a, literally divided. And not only that it divided, but the ground underneath became dry ground. I did a, I've done a lot of swimming, fishing, boating in my life. I, I love uh, all of my life to be in the water. I uh, spent a lot of time. When I was in high school, we had a, a, a boat and I could get out of school, and within about 15 minutes, I could be in the bayou swimming with the alligators and all those things. Yes, I'm swamp people right here. Shoot them! <laughs> Shoot them! <laughs> well, one, of the, one of the funnest things, and I don't know why, but I, I would always try to see, I wanted to see how deep the water was. And so I would jump off the boat and do like a, a pencil straight down on the ground and, and stick my feet in the mud. It's just to see, could I touch the bottom? I have no idea why I could have stepped into an alligator hole or a alligator gar or something. I don't even know. I could have got stuck and drowned. That would have been terrible. I don't know. Don't do that. Don't do this. If you're watching at home, 
But the mud was always so, you, could, you would just sink down in it almost up to your knees because it was just so saturated with water. And you can imagine for the Israelites as they're about to, okay, so think with me. The, the walls of water are on your left and on your right. But now how are you going to walk through the mud? How are you going to pull your chariots and your kids and and wade through this mud? And God said, no worries, I have that under control. And he literally caused the ground to become dry ground. I find this fascinating. The Israelites have have left Egypt after the ten plagues. Finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here, go. And they start walking and they seem to be walking in a sense of a circle. And they find themselves boxed in. On two sides, there are mountains or or canyons where they can't go to the left and they can't go to the right. In front of them is the Red Sea. They can't march through the Red Sea. They don't have boats to cross. Remember, they've been slaves in Egypt. They didn't have the the necessary means and a a ferry. They, They couldn't call somebody to take them to the other side. There was nothing for them to do. And then on the other end of the canyon, at the mouth of this box canyon, was all of the Egyptian armies. The Egyptians at the times were leaders of the, of the known world. They were dominant. They were fierce. They were strong. They had chariots. Chariots represent the most um, modern and powerful weaponry on the earth at that time. And they're facing these armies or they're facing a sea and they're, they throw their hands up and they're saying, God, what do we do? God says, don't worry, Moses, lift your hand and stretch out your hands and your rod and cause the sea to be divided. And he does, and the sea divides, and the ground becomes hard, and they march across this ground. Wow. What a moment must that have been to be in the middle of the ocean, middle of the sea, and you're looking up at walls of water. And two million people are walking across dry ground. As you climb out the other side on the bank on the other side, you turn around and look. To your dismay, here come the Egyptians. And they're charging down after you. The Egyptians could move much faster than you could. They could race on their horses and their chariots. And they're charging through. They're hot on your heels. They're about to get you. And Moses turns around early in the morning And he just waves his hand and the seas come crashing down. There's much argument. Uh, Theologians and historians have a lot of arguments on exactly where they crossed the Red Sea. The Red Sea, as you come out of it, has two fingers that kind of make a V. Uh, If you look at maps, even modern day maps, you'll see this V surrounding Saudi Arabia and all these things. And there's unsure exactly where they crossed, but... At the, very, at the very least of places, the sea would have been a minimum of 10 foot high, probably much higher than that. Where I per- personally believe they crossed, the sea would have been hundreds of feet deep. It sweeps over them and carries off. The Bible says every single one of them died. And the Israelites are standing on the bank. If you didn't believe, if you were unsure about the power of God at this point, You couldn't be standing on the bank of the Red Sea that you just walked through, watching the horses and the chariots drown, and say to yourself, God is not real. What a moment. I want to look at this and pick up a few things that 
that really just God was speaking to me as I was studying this scripture. Because it is a picture, the, the exodus of the people out of Egypt into the promised land is a picture of a few things for us. It is a type of baptism. As you and I are water baptized today, it is a separation from our old man is buried in the watery grave. We come out a new creation, a new creature in Christ, a, a new man. And so it's a type of baptism. As we walk through this series on May the 6th, we're going to be having a huge baptismal service. If you would like to be water baptized, maybe you've never been water baptized, maybe you've recently given your heart to God or returned to God, something like that, and and you need to be water baptized again, you would like to. We'll be talking about that and doing that on May the 6th. You can sign up at the Connection Center. But also, this is a picture of of the Israelites as they are leaving out of slavery and bondage. You see, they went in to Egypt under Joseph and they were saved there. It was a means of deliverance. But the same country that allowed them to have salvation, to, to be saved from the famine in the, in the land in which they were living, in the land of Canaan, then later enslaved them because they feared the Israelites. They put them in the land of Goshen and they enslaved them. It wasn't pretty and it wasn't fun for the Israelites. They wanted out. And so their journey out and their exodus out is why we call the book Exodus. It is a picture of my journey and yours as we leave slavery and bondage to sin and to other things in our life. About 30 years or so ago, a self-help guru somehow decided that it takes 21 days to break a habit. No matter what habit you have, in 21 days, you can break it. Not only that, if you, if you go 21 days without it, not only will you break the habit, but you'll never struggle with it again. You'll never have to worry about it. You'll never be tempted again. I think that is nothing but a crock of bull. I really do. We go on 21-day Daniel's fast uh, pretty much every year here at Triumph, which is for us is no meats and no sweets for 21 days. So I go 21 days without my bluebell ice cream. But at the tw- end of 21 days, just just a just a just the smell, just the sight. I, I, I'm walking down the grocery store and it's calling to me from the freezer. You know what I'm talking about. And once I have just, I'm just going to have one bite. I'm okay. I'm stronger now. I, you know, no, no. I am an addict when it comes to bluebell ice cream. Hello, my name is Randon, and I am a bluebellaholic. <laughs> just one taste, and I dive back in, and I, ha- I can't even go to sleep. I'm just thinking about, I'm not praying, I'm not counting sheep, I am thinking about some homemade ice cream. <sighs> I wish it were as simple as 21 days and you never have to worry about it again, but it's just not that simple. You can go without it, you can force yourself through, but just a taste, just a smell, just a moment, and you'll be right back in there. But you know, we start out big and we start out bold. Remember in verse 8, the Bible said the Israelites went out with boldness. The New Living Translation, I believe it is, says they went out with, with fists raised in defiance. We're leaving, we got this. I wonder how many times you've started your new year with boldness. 
I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. And we start with boldness and defiance against the world. And you're saying to your neighbor, you won't even recognize me in two months. You won't even know me. I'll be looking like J-Lo all of a sudden. (laughs) Saw her new video on American Idol the other day. Someone should tell her she's too old for that. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, a sidetrack. <clears throat> we start out the year with boldness, but then we get out in the midst of the battle, and we're in the midst of the wilderness, and the Egyptians are bearing down on us, and our plan seemed so great, and we started out with such boldness and such assurance, and we get to the place where the Egyptians got, or where the Israelites got, In verse 11 and 12, verse 11 and 12, verse 11 and 12. (laughs) Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us as to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. As you're leaving bondage from anything in your life, you get to a place where it gets difficult and it gets tough and you think I'm going to die out here. I would have been better off where I was. A few years ago, some of you may remember, we did a church-wide fast of all caffeine. It was something like 50 days, wasn't it? Was it 50 days or 25 days? Some, some crazy long amount of time. And, and people were giving up coffee and Cokes and, you know, it was quite a mess. Within a week... People are missing church. Why did you miss church? I'm so sick. What are you sick from? I need my coffee. I'm going to pass out. (laughs) Put your hands over your head. This is serious. I mean, headaches. People going to the doctor. I'm having migraines. You you gave up coffee. You shouldn't drink 18 cups in a day. (laughs) It was serious drama. I'm telling you, I would have, I'd, I'd love to go back and do that again just to watch. And I don't drink that much caffeine, so it's not that big of a deal for me. But to watch the, the drama that unfolds as three churches tried to give up caffeine. Wow. And in the middle of it, we're thinking, we would have been better off never starting this. I have taken every bit of Tylenol that I can find. My doctor won't give me any more Vicodin. I, can't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it was serious. Because as you go through your life and you, you get to this place as you're struggling and you're straining to get broken free and to get the freedom that you're desiring and that you're wanting and you want to get rid of the addiction, you want to get rid of the habit, you want to get rid of the things in your life that have chained you down, at some point you have this thought in your mind, wouldn't it have just been easier if I'd have never tried in the first place? Because what we do and what the Israelites did is we, have a, we distort the truth about where we were. The Israelites forgot what it was like to be in slavery. 
as they're staring down and it looks like there's no way out and they're out of Egypt but they're not into the promised land and they're in this transitional space. They forgot what it was like back in Egypt. And they said, we should just go live there. Because, you know, it wasn't so bad. Yes, I mean, we were slaves. Yes, I mean, they were controlling the population by killing all the babies and things like that. But, you know, it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 that God heard the cry of the people and he sent a deliverer. They were crying and moaning and literally begging God to deliver them. But now they get out of the wilderness in the midst of God delivering them. And in the face of their enemy, they say, maybe we should, ju- should have just stayed. It might have been easier on us if we had just stayed. When you get to that place, don't question God. Press through. Press through. Don't give up. God didn't lead you out in the wilderness to die. Because when things have us in bondage, when they they control our life, they steal from us. They steal our joy, our peace, our happiness, our life, our money. They steal from us. Don't let that happen to you, but keep moving forward. The Israelites were concerned. They were Are we there now? I don't sound like I'm on. Check one day. There we go. Hallelujah. It's it's been that kind of a day. We're going to work this thing out though. The Israelites are cornered. They're boxed in. Canyon walls, a sea. The Egyptians, they have nowhere to go. And Moses in verse 13. Read what he says here. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Stand still. This is a hard thing for many of us to do. In, in a world that is wrapped with, and, and in people that have, are dealing with, uh, uh, we want it right now, we got to move, we got to go, ADD, ADHD, all those things, we, all those things, we gotta, we've got to move, we've got to go, and God says, stand still, and we're like, you know, okay, okay, like, God, just wait. No, I, I can't, I, 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 God, God, would you just hurry up? It's been like three minutes. My wife was a waiter for a long time, a server. I don't know what your, the appropriate term is. She tells me, the, I, I get it wrong every time. She was a server for a long time, and, uh, and she at times loved and at times hated. But, man, we were sitting in a restaurant the other day, and she's like, this is just taking too long. What is the deal? It's been forever. It's, ah, and I looked down, it had been like seven minutes. I'm like, oh, she's like, oh, okay. But, but this is the way we are. We're like, ah, we got to go. We got to move now. And God's saying, just stand still. Hold, hold on. And in that time, as we're holding on, we deal with some things. Four things we have to face, four issues we have to face in order to be able to stand still and have faith. Number one, we have to deal with despair. The enemy wants to pull us down. Despair wants to cast us down and leave us hopeless. Here we are. I mean, I got nowhere to go. We're just in despair. We might as well just lay down and die. Don't get in despair. Number two is fear. Moses says, do not fear, really Moses. 
Do you see it out? No, no, don't worry about it. God has a plan. He didn't lead us here. We're not lost in the wilderness. The, the Egyptians thought they were confused. They thought they were lost in the wilderness. Uh, Moses knew right where he was going. Moses had already made this journey. He had already made this trek. He knew how to get to where he was going. God knew was leading them with a cloud of fire, uh, a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. God was leading. They knew exactly where we were going. They weren't lost and yet, don't fear. It'll tell us to retreat, to give up, to surrender. Don't fall into that trap. Don't go back. Impatience. Impatience. We want to do something now. We want it and we want it now. So, 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 so move now, God. Do something right now. Just stand still. And the final one is presumption. We jump in the sea before it is parted. Well, I'm not going back to the Egyptians. I'm not going to fear them. And I'm not going to go back. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to be in despair. I'm not, I, but I'm going, to, I'm going to presume that God wants me to swim this ocean. With my kid. With all my stuff. So I'm going to start swimming. Don't, don't do that. Don't jump in the river until God says jump. Presumption. It is important that when God says wait, we wait. Because in verse 15, he then turns to Moses. He says, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand. God delights in using you to do the miraculous in this world. He wants you a part of the deal. Could God do it without you? Of course he could. But he likes getting us involved. He delights in in using us to do it, to reach out our hand. I wonder how sometimes how many miracles have not happened because no one would lift their hand. No one would pray. No one would stop. Someone comes to you in the mall and they say, can you pray for me? I'm, I'm dealing with some sickness, with some illness. I've got cancer. I've got this. I've got that. And we say, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. But we don't stop right then and lift out our hand and pray for them. How many times, how many miracles have not happened because we wouldn't lift our hand? I, I'm a bit of a prankster. Many of you know this about me. I, I like to... I like to to pull jokes on people. I like to scare people. I don't know why I like to instill fear in people, but it makes me laugh uncontrollably. The other day I was driving down the road and I, I, was, I was coming north on 69 and I took the Lucas exit. I took a left and right there past that gas station before you get to Folsom, there's Kirksey screen printing and a couple other places right there. There's a big pile of trash right up next to the, the edge of the road. And this lady was bending over, digging through the pile of trash. I don't know if she had thrown something away she didn't mean to or what the situation was. All I know is she was almost out hanging out in the road and she was bent over with her backside facing me and to the sky and she is digging in this trash. It's lumber and looked like they'd cleaned out an office or a house or something. It's just all out there. And as I'm pulling by, my wife and I, I think to myself and I say to my wife, I should honk right now. <laughs> like, I should, like, pull right up behind her and just lay on the horn. Ah! And just, I just want to watch her dive into the trash. Ah! I know I'm bad. I know I'm... Lord, don't send me to hell for that. I didn't... I didn't do it, Lord. I stopped. I rejected it. I said no to the enemy and the devil that's trying to control my mind. I so badly wanted to hit that horn, just stretch out my hand, just in my truck, you know, and just, I just wanted to, I'd have felt really bad if she had a heart attack or something and just, you know, my wife stopped me. Thankfully I didn't, I didn't stretch out my hand and I, I, I didn't get 
the joy that I would have had by seeing her. <laughs> I'm driving down the road in my car yesterday. My daughter and I are coming. It's her birthday yesterday. We're taking her to her birthday party, and she's just staring off into space. And you know, and I just, ah, I just scream all of a sudden. Ah, she just, ah, <laughs> I love it. I can't help it, man. I know. I know, I know, I know. I need Jesus. <laughs> How many times of our life was God saying, do this, and all we had to do was stretch out our hand. All we had to do was reach out. All we had to do was pray. And we're so busy talking about what we need, we never actually stop and pray for God to do what he's wanting to do. He said, Moses, lift your rod and stretch out your hands and divide the sea. Moses, and he pushes the sea back and the walls. Wow. Stretch out your hand. Because God wants to work for you, but he also wants to work through you. Because here's what was happening. God is working in Moses and is showing Moses how to follow him. But God also needs the children of Israel to follow Moses. So God could have done it, but they may not have followed Moses. But when God works through Moses, God is an invisible God. It's sometimes hard for us to see him. But when he works through people, as we look at people, we then see God. They are not God. Moses is not God. But as God illuminates himself in Moses, doing something Moses can clearly not do, and Moses is giving the glory to God, the people say, ah, I'll worship God. When you stretch out your hand and God works through you, it may be not just for you, it may be for the people watching you. Who is watching you? Who is following you? Who is needing to see and believe in the true power and existence and the glory of God. And they're watching you and begging you to stretch out your hand. Along with that thought in verse 18. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Listen, it wasn't just about the children of Israel. It was about the Egyptians. The story is more about just than just Israel. The story is about the belief of the Egyptians. Let me ask you this question as we struggle in, with getting rid of bondage and re- getting rid of slavery and chains. What if our problems are less about us than we think? What if our problems and what if God is wanting to use you and your situation to help someone else believe? He wanted all of Egypt to believe. What if God had someone else in mind? That he would wanted be like all of God. Egypt to It would believe. be in his pattern. What if God had someone else in You know, mind? he sent he his son to suffer for you. He did a miracle in his son in raising him from the dead, but he did it for you. It would be like God to use you to touch someone else. Well, let's keep moving here because you're not enjoying the word today, and that's okay. It's going to get good here in a minute. We're going to get revved up here in just a second. And the angel of God, verse 19, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So this cloud that has led them through the wilderness now goes from before them. 
and it goes behind them and it sits between them and the Egyptians. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. This cloud represented the presence of God in their life. The presence of God is so important for me and so important for you. It's one of the reasons that I love to come together and worship with you and to feel and experience His presence. It means the world to me. But you need to know that it's more than just some feelings of goosebumps, but it has a purpose in your life. And it's why you want the presence of God with you every single day. Here's what he did. The first thing that the presence of God did for the Egyptians or did for the Israelites and he will do for you is it confused the enemy. Notice he said it was a cloud and darkness to the one. Have you ever tried walking around in pitch black darkness and a dense fog with no light? You may have known where you were going, but you lose all sense of direction. You think you're going straight and you're going off in a circle. I I tend to go off to the right because my right leg's a little shorter than my left leg. So I tend to veer to the right. I don't know which way you veer. (laughs) But you think you know where you are, but you find yourself in confusion. This is what God wants to do with the enemy. He wants to get them lost. He wants them to lose their bearings. and, And he wants to confuse the enemy in your life. How does it happen? Get into the presence of God. He can't find you. Where did you go? The devil thought he had you right where he wanted you. Where did you go? You're in the presence of God. Confuses the enemy. Secondly, it illuminates things. He said it's light by night to the other. When you shouldn't be able to see because of the presence of God, you can see. Things you shouldn't be able to do, you can do because you're in the presence of God. It lights up your life. It gives you direction. It illuminates things in me. It illuminates. Number three, it protects. Notice he said, one did not come near the other all night. The Egyptians couldn't sneak up on them. They couldn't attack them. They couldn't get to them because this cloud was protecting them. I need the presence of God in my life. As I'm trying to rest, and I I can't spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week in prayer. Wouldn't it be nice? But I can't do that. At some point I have to sleep. At some point I have to eat. At some point I have to be a father and a husband and and a pastor and all these types of things that I have to do in my life. So, but if I stay in the presence of God, he'll protect me even when I'm resting, even when I'm looking the other way. I want the presence of God to protect me. How about you? So Moses lifts the hand and he parts the Red Sea And he uses Moses to do this unbelievable miracle. Let's look back in verse 13 again. For the Egyptians, this is uh, Moses speaking. This is a prophetic word that he's speaking over them. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. God is going to do something So amazing, a miracle of deliverance in your life, so powerful and so strong. That he doesn't want to just deliver you today. He doesn't want to just sneak you out today. But he wants to deliver you forever. And never again will you deal with bondage to the Egyptians. 
Never again in the history of, of the Israelites do they deal with bondage to the Egyptians. In all of this Bible, you can read, they never go back in slavery with the Egyptians again. Now, they have other issues. They face other battles, but they never face this one again. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Christ came that you could be set free once and for all. You don't have to go back into the same bondage again. There's something to be said for getting that devil whipped. There's something to be said for fighting a battle, winning the battle, and never having to go back and fight it again. Never having to go back and deal with that enemy again, but defeating him once and for all. Well, let's look and see if it happened. Verse 30. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. God wanted them to see. He wanted to show them something. I want you to notice in verse 30 that Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. One version said the bodies washed up on shore. Theologians tell us that that it is uh, highly likely that the weaponry that they took into battle in Jericho, in Ai, and as they conquered the promised land 40 years later, were swords and spears and shields that they gathered as these Egyptian soldiers washed up on the shore. Why is this important? Why did Moses say this? Why did he talk about this? Because in the moment that they saw the bodies, that is the moment that they knew that God had won, that they were victorious, and they were never going back to bondage in Egypt again. It wasn't as they left Egypt. It wasn't even as they crossed the Red Sea. They knew the moment had come when they saw the bodies. Because it had a moment of reality for them. This is our our enemy. This is the one that we've defeated, that God has overcome. And we have won. It was the moment, in this moment, there's something about them seeing the body that brought reality. When I was 11 years old, my grandfather passed away and went on to be with God. It was an unreal moment for me. It was quite an experience as a child because on the weekend, on Friday and Saturday, I had spent the entire weekend with he and my father. We had a big church-wide uh, family, father-son camp out up at the lake. It was a wonderful time. On Sunday evening, he went into the hospital, and Monday morning when I woke up, my grandmother told me he had passed. It was unreal to me. I couldn't grasp it. I knew it in my mind, but I couldn't get it in me. If you've lost a loved one, you understand what I'm talking about. Just this, you, you want to understand, but you, it doesn't seem real. Uh, so many times I've talked with families as they're walking through this, thing, it doesn't, just doesn't seem real. Maybe you've experienced that. But for me, as I walked up to the casket on my grandfather's wake and viewing... And I looked at his body in the casket. And I don't want to be insensitive to anyone who's lost loved ones. But when I saw him there, it brought a reality to me. It made suddenly, this is it. 
is there a sense of finality to it? That's what took place with the Israelites that day. As, the, as they saw the bodies, there was a finality. We're no longer slaves, but we're free. It's over. We won the battle. Today, as we close, I think we need to allow some things to be buried. We need to have a funeral service to, to allow some things that have tried to enslave us and keep us in bondage. We've got to let them go. We're going to start with this one. And, you, and, and I'm going to name a few groups of things. But, but as you're sitting here over the next few moments, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And things that have tried to hold you in bondage, to keep you in chains, to keep you in slavery. I want you to allow God to speak to you that today is the last day you deal with these things. The first, I have a box of cigarettes here to rec- represent addictions. Addictions. Addiction come, addictions come in all different shapes and sizes. I chose cigarettes because basically I wasn't going to go buy any pornography, nor was I going to go buy any drugs. So, <laughs> all types of addictions. People have addictions of all kinds. Nicotine, alcohol, drugs. Prescription drugs, illegal drugs, narcotics, all types of things. Addictions to gambling. Addictions to eating. I um, read an article, a national article, the other day that said that Beaumont Port Arthur is the fifth, uh, number five on the cities in the United States that is the most overweight, number five. Um, eating can be an addiction. It may not be for you. There may be lots of reasons for, for me. Uh, it, I get. I love food. I get addicted to food very quickly. I have to break that thing. I don't know. What is your addiction? Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you do. Maybe you have an addiction to spending money. Money can be an addicting thing. Today, addictions have to go. Amen. I have here with me a credit card representing debt. Debt controls us you can't do what you want to do what God wants you to do because you owe all your money to someone else your money is already spoken for when you get your paycheck there's no deciding what you're going to do with your paycheck it's already spent because you owe this much for your mortgage and this much for your car and this much for the credit card bills and this much for the new couch and this much for the new tv and this much for the, the clothes and this much for this and this much for that and as a nation we're in debt we're bound by debt. The Bible says you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon represents money. The God of money. Money can be a God. And it can control you. It can control me. I'm determined my wife and I were getting out of debt this year. We have a very aggressive plan. We're working on that. I encourage you to do what you can. Ask God to help you get out of debt. There are tools that can help you do it. I recommend there are some really good ones. I recommend that you position yourself to get out of debt and allow God to move in your life. He will. How many of you want to be freed from the chains and of debt and money? 
You don't want to go. Right. <laughs> Hollywood thrives on your fear. Halloween, one of the most famous scary movies. You've heard them. Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 12, 17. How many times can they chop up a guy in a different way? I don't watch any of them because I refuse to open the door to fear in my life. So I have a movie here to represent fear, but not just fear of someone's going to kill you, but fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of people, fear of being alone. Fear, it binds us. I have a mirror. Because I talk with people all the time who are obsessed with looking in the mirror and trying to be what they feel the world wants them to be and expects them to be. They've got to be perfect in every way. I have to look just right, dress just right, talk just right, smell just right, act just right. And we get caught up in who the world is saying we are and we forget about who God has declared that we are. There are young people all over this nation that struggle with that struggle with insecurities lack of confidence, depression, eating disorders, bulimia, things like that. Because when they look in the mirror, they see the wrong thing. It controls them. It controls their every thought, the way they live their life, the way they spend their time, the way they spend the money, the way they dress. Do you have those things in your life? insecurities depression they need to go today one more I have a wedding ring here Pastor Randall Wyatt wedding ring because 50% of the people in America are divorced 50% of Americans have felt the pain of being heartbroken of a failed marriage for one reason or the other and for the other 50% we know what it feels like to be hurt by people things to be left to have our heart broken to deal with bitterness and anger and hurt and unforgiveness and struggle you don't have to live that way you don't have to live that way. Maybe it's not a marriage for you. I pray that it's not. But maybe it's a relationship with a father or a mother. Maybe it's a relationship with a child, a loved one of some kind. Maybe it's just life in general has left you with unresolved hurts, old hang-ups, emotions. Today, we bury them. And they're gone forever. Yes. Today, 
There's going to be a sense of finality for the chains that have tried to hold you in your life. I've named a few. I can no, by no means cover them all. What it is it in your life? God's moving right now. As I look across this audience, I see God touching you. Many of you at home. What is he doing in your life? What is it that you've been struggling to get away from? Habits and hang-ups and issues and hurts, addictions, all kinds of things, fears. God wants to touch you. The Bible says in the 15th chapter of Exodus, they saw the bodies. And then in, that's right at the end of the verse. They, they knew God. They worshiped God. And they, they feared the Lord. And suddenly, they just begin to sing praises to God. And they begin to worship. And chapter 15 is all about the song they sang to God. Today, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're just going to worship for a moment. Our pastors and elders are going to come. As a matter of fact, pastors and elders, would you make yourself available? Prayer partners, would you come? And if you, need, if you want to pray that God would help deliver you, it may have been holding you for a long time. I want to read... I want to read this obituary, this eulogy, and I want you to be reminded of whatever it is in your life. And let some finality take over. Here lies addiction. He was preceded in death by my old man. He is joined in death by unresolved emotions, mammon, obsessions, and fear. They fought a good fight, but I assure you that they have finished their race. They refuse to give up or to give in. In the face of the truth, they tried to hold on like a leech. What to say about them? They pestered me and held me back for months, for years, even decades. I'm not sad to see them go, but rather I rejoice, for they are survived by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. While the old me is gone, I stand now as a new creature in Christ, ready to overcome, ready to stand strong, ready to fight the good fight of faith, ready to be a witness to the power and the grace and the goodness of God. So today, I say goodbye to my old bondage forever. You can't bother me anymore. Amen. Amen.